From the first chapter of the Gospel of St. John, you heard it read earlier, our sermon text for this Christmas day. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear friends in Christ, on this Christmas Day, perhaps you've heard it said a hundred wonderful times already this year that it's the most wonderful time of the year. And indeed, it is a commonly held sentiment. It is a wonderful time of the year. But each year seems to confirm another widely held sentiment. It's also the most busiest time of the year. And I know that that's not the King's English. It's not grammatically on the spot, but perhaps it goes to emphasize how frantic and how frenzied the nature of these particular days can be. No matter to which degree and to what extent you're engaged with it all, because it is the special time of the year that it is for us all, to that particular degree we'd probably all say and admit, indeed say that it takes a little bit extra, perhaps it takes a lot extra, to do what it takes to do Christmas right. For many, there are lists to check and to recheck. There are Christmas cards to prepare and to send. Reconnaissance missions to the shopping mall. Operation 11th Hour Sorties to fly, search and rescue for those last-minute and almost forgotten things. And the overly crowded calendars certainly won't let us forget that there are school functions for which to carve out, if possible, yet carve out a bit of extra holiday time, certainly meals to coordinate and generate, perhaps because it's his first Christmas, or for them, that couple, a, a very special Christmas. You want to get it just right, and perhaps because it well could be, and everyone at the table knows that her last Christmas you want to make it right. You want to do what it takes to get it right. There are even websites now. Websites that offer help to the overwhelmed. One that's entitled, that's called Christmas Checklists and Organizing Tips includes a 30-day Christmas countdown calendar. It includes five one-minute holiday stress solutions for busy moms in a how-to section on how to simplify the season to make it your happiest Christmas ever. Another site has a banner that reads, Are you overbooked? Are you overbooked or are you overstressed and out of Christmas joy? Then let the Christmas coach help. When all is said and all is done, for many it takes a lot to do Christmas. Sometimes, with all the holiday hurry and hustle, it can be easy to miss what Christmas really takes. Important as all those Christmas extras are, and they are in celebrating the, the special occasion the way that we would and the way that we want to, the way that we will, still. They still are and they always will be the Christmas extras. It can be easy to miss what Christmas really takes. By and large, the world missed it in those days, as St. Luke writes, when it, Christmas, did come to pass. Now, well, granted, it was because of a more secular occasion. In this case, it was the census 
decreed by Caesar Augustus still. Nonetheless, in in those days of that first Christmas, there was no lack of hustle and, and hurry and bustle in Bethlehem and beyond, not at all. The highways were then as they are now. The highways were busy with people going home, returning to their hometown. On front porches, if you will, sizing up their sprouting children and grandchildren as they arrived, as they met them at the front door. Don't you think there were parents and grandparents then, as they do now, that marvel at how their little ones had grown since the last time they'd seen them? Special meals, of course, would have been prepared because the whole family happened to be in town for this special event. No doubt there was a lot to catch up on. A lot of catching up to do. How was little Joshua doing in his school? When was it that cousin Miriam was to be married? Lives were then as lives are now. Lives busy with the business of life. And yet, underneath it all, in those sacred, anonymous hours of that night in an unmarked stable with beasts, Beasts, the only audience for such a privileged and high occasion as this. Underneath the business of it all, the face of God was first unveiled to the world he came to save. The Christ of Christmas was born. By and large, the world missed it then. By and large, the world still does. Christmas after Christmas, indeed even week after week, the one and only of its kind light of men shines in the darkness of a sin-darkened world. But like busy Bethlehem on that special night, the spiritual darkness of natural man does not, as John wrote, comprehend it, does not understand it, does not recognize it, but it misses it. knowing that the extras would always compete with what Christmas really takes, how it must have saddened John to pen what he penned. And you heard what he said earlier. He was in the world. That's that's Christmas talk. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. It missed him. Missed his coming, missed his dwelling, missed the blessing that came with his coming. And because man didn't naturally know him, still doesn't naturally know him, he couldn't then and he can't now know why it was that he had to come. God knows of all people, if anyone should know, God himself should know why he came. And he tells us in his word exactly why he came. Well before Christmas trees and all the other extras were commonplace, before Christ, the first Christmas sapling sprouted from the shoot of the stump, as a shoot from the stump of Jesse's, there was another tree, another tree that would leave its mark on the world. It wasn't the tree's fault, though. Adam and Eve were dazzled by the fruited adornments of this particular tree, but from it they were not to take and eat. So said their father, God, but they did. From thenceforth, their posterity would then follow in the fatal footsteps of of those parental 
pioneers into sin's peril. And so as Adam and Eve would taste of death, so would their children's children. And as they'd naturally do what's wrong before God, so would their children's children's children. So that even to this very day, naturally children, when instructed not to take and touch the dazzling ornament on the tree, they do it. Sin begets sin. Sinners beget sinners. Sin, a terrible and eternally deadly condition separating man from God, from life, affecting and infecting every member of every household, every corner of every household, of every person and household that ever has existed, that ever hoisted a Christmas tree, and everyone that never did. Now, it's not that man doesn't intuitively, to some degree, and instinctively know that something's not right. In a way, our annual holiday time greetings confirm the reality of sin in the world. It's confirmed in the secular general wishes that are borrowed from Scripture but divorced from Christ. When wishes are shared of peace on earth, it confirms the sin that's that's in the world. We, We share greetings of peace on earth because people know that normally and naturally there's conflict between nations, households, husbands and wives. Goodwill toward men. Isn't it encouraged in these Christmas days? Because night after night on the news, it's evident that that's not what we normally will toward one another. Each day reveals anew why he had to come. Problem is, though, mankind tends to think that that he can self-provide the peace that's missing in our world. He insists that if there's to be peace on earth, it should begin here with me. If there's... If there's to be peace with God and therefore peace among men, it should begin here with me. It's not a new idea. In fact, John told of it. You could say, because things don't change, that he foretold of it in the gospel reading today. When he said, if there's to be peace with God and therefore peace among men, he said that it's not of blood. Remember what he said? It's not of blood. As if a certain race of men isn't yet part of the sin-stained human race. It's not of blood. It's not of the will of flesh. As if a single fallen, a man of the fallen condition of himself could be so determined that he could orchestrate and deliver peace to the world. It's not of blood. It's not of the will of flesh. It's not of the will of man in general. As if collective man could achieve it collaboratively. Through the greatest international councils that existed. No. John tells us, no, not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, none of these. None of these has what it takes to right the wrong of a fallen human race. It took God, the only God there is, him who was existent already in the beginning, Him through whom was made all that was made. It took the eternal word of the everlasting Father, the blessed second person of the Holy Trinity. The one who conducts the cosmos. Who enables every breath that's drawn to be drawn and every heart beats to beat. It took him to become intimately involved with us. 
know, a pastor can and often will search for just the right word or phrase to adorn and explain a particular scriptural truth. Today, permit me to borrow and beg from the Holy Spirit himself, who told us exactly what it took. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. As one Frederick Beckner put it, the one who inhabits eternity comes to dwell in time. The one whom none can look upon and live is delivered in a stable under the soft, indifferent gaze of cattle. This one becomes flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone in order to shed blood that he didn't have to own. In order to save a people he didn't have to save. That's, in its essence, in its entirety, that's what it took. An offering so big, a sacrificial offering so big that it could pay a debt so deep and broad as the collective sins of every man who ever has or ever will exist. For you see, Christmas... Christmas isn't complete until Calvary. St. Paul said that. There's a verse in one of his letters to Timothy that goes simply this way. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world. That's Christmas. But that's not where the sentence ends. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But God couldn't be sacrificable, especially for us men, unless he wore and shared the flesh of our flesh. Early Christians prized this truth. Christmas wasn't marked and celebrated annually for years. And yet early Christians prized this truth. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, like us as brothers, That he might make propitiation for the sins of all the people. You know well every Christmas costs something. It costs. It costs you to provide what you so wish to provide for those you love. And sometimes that deep love is your good excuse to blow the budget. A little or maybe a lot. Things were no different with the first Christmas. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. God so loved the world that he sent forth his Son, wrapped in our flesh, wearing a gift tag that said, as you heard the angel say, to all people. The Word became our flesh and dwelt among us. And that's an interesting word too. He dwelt among us. You know, in the Greek, the word is eskenade. In it, you hear the word skin. Eskenade. A drawn out definition of that word might be this. That he tented himself in skin to abide among us. 
At times that word is translated tabernacle. Tabernacles were skins in which you dwelt, in which you tent. Hence the dwelling sense of it. He dwelt in our flesh among us. He's not, you see, just Emmanuel, God with us for just a season. No, but the instant he assumed fetal flesh, he, from that point on, is and always will be one of us. Once incarnate, he never, ever, through endless ages upon ages of ages, once incarnate, never will he then be uncarnate. No, but as the word made flesh said and promised to you, lo, I am with you always. And that promise of always includes this Christmas. Whatever particular hopes or fears this Christmas bears, it includes this Christmas, for they all find their end in Him. In Him. That promise of always includes the coming year and whatever challenges it contains. It it includes the coming decade, which begins in a few days with 2010 and whatever tears of joy or sadness that certainly will be shed at the certain changes that the new decade certainly will bring. That promise of always most assuredly includes this very day, this very table, where the end of the incarnation, forgiveness through his flesh and blood, where the end of the incarnation comes to us by the means of his grace. So you see, God in the flesh is what it took. And God in the flesh bearing to us what he in the flesh won for us on the cross, it's still what it takes. No other race, mark it well, friends, mark it well today. No other race of creature can marvel like you marvel today. And what you hear Jesus say to you, and what you have Jesus do here for you when he says, This is my body, and this is my blood, which I have taken which I have given and which I have shed for you, my brothers of the flesh. Your being on the very receiving end of God's gift through his word and sacrament today is precisely what John meant when he concludes our text by saying, and from his fullness we have all received forgiveness as inexhaustibly deep and as high and as broad and as far And as full as God himself, as much as it takes. And then he adds this one thing. And grace upon grace. I admit that last phrase used to puzzle me. It used to puzzle me until I read a beautiful beautiful remark by a noted Lutheran author, commentator. A remark that can't help but stick with you today. Grace upon grace, he says it's like this. As the days come and go, a new supply takes the place of the grace already bestowed as wave follows upon wave upon the ocean shore. You picture it in your mind as wave follows upon wave on the ocean shore. God's grace upon grace, never ending. 
inexhaustible for you. Christmas isn't complete until Calvary, and Calvary's not yours until he who was born for it delivers it to you. A Christmas present is nothing aside from that which is within. The wrapping and the ribbon and the bow, that's nothing if there's no substance within. At its essence, what Christmas really takes is that which Christmas gives. The Word became flesh. Blessed Christmas Day to all of you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.